Hello, and welcome to Glossy Trend Watch. I'm your host, Danny Parisi, a fashion reporter here at Glossy. Over the next few weeks, I will be taking a deep dive into one of the most talked about trends in fashion, the evolution of streetwear. For today's episode, I sit down with Great's founder and CEO, Ryan Babenzine. We invited Ryan into the studio to discuss the shrinking line between luxury and streetwear since his company appears to find a balance between the two, producing high quality luxury sneakers without the massive price tag. But the conversation quickly took a turn when Ryan told me that streetwear isn't streetwear anymore. In fact, he would even go so far as to argue that streetwear is dead. Oh, and a quick heads up, this episode features some strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Episode one of Glossy Trend Watch Streetwear Edition starts right now. All right, I'm here with uh, Ryan Babenzine. Ryan is the founder and CEO of Greats. Um, Greats is a premium leather sneaker brand, luxury sneaker brand. How would you describe it, Ryan? Uh, we would say we are a digitally native footwear brand mm-hmm. that offers premium quality essentials. That's the approved language. That is the official description. corporate <laughs> description. Uh, Did you write that? Uh, I had a hand in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we just make really good sneakers out of Italy. That's the that's the streetwear version. So this podcast is all about streetwear. Um, but Ryan, I wanted to talk to you about the overlap between streetwear and luxury. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest stories to be told about streetwear, especially over the last year or so. Could you briefly, in your own words, describe what you think that relationship looks like right now? Yeah, I can. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to unwind a little bit. And Please like, do. Like... Streetwear. Yeah. So yeah. let's just go back for a minute because mm-hmm. I was around when the term streetwear was founded. Right. Late 80s. Streetwear is not really a category. It's become one, but it was coined back then. And you could argue that Stussy was probably the first brand that became that streetwear kind of put on their shoulders and like that became the brand of streetwear. And then there's been tens if not hundreds of what was coined to be streetwear but in today's world and this is like where i'm going to probably take an opposing view on streetwear and luxury please yeah as it's currently being discussed i don't think streetwear is streetwear and i actually don't believe streetwear can exist in the way it existed when the term was defined originally it can be something else but streetwear, by definition, usually came from, it was a brand that came out of a subculture. Right. That subculture could be skate, surf, punk, hip-hop, um, an amalgamation of all those things, which is basically what really happened. And those things then gestated, those subcultures kind of grew and evolved like over time, and time being years. I don't think you can do that. I don't think subcultures exist at that level anymore. I think technology, and so this is not about nostalgia. This is not like, oh, you're old because you were there when it happened and now it'll never happen again. It will never happen again, and I don't believe it can. It's not nostalgia, it's technology. Once the internet became what it is and mobile became, smartphones became what they are and social media became what it is, the ability for a subculture to gestate at an organic rate went away and because of that subcultures don't exist things go mainstream almost immediately i mean like you're in fashion a fashion show is on somebody's phone before the fucking show's over 
Like the world sees the show. They don't need to wait. The old days it was wait for Vogue to show the collection 75 days later that just appeared. Now right. it's like immediate. So because of that, you don't get self-culture. I don't think streetwear is what streetwear is being. It's no longer defined. It's a term we use, but it is not what streetwear was. Right. Definitely. I mean, and to, for something to be a subculture, it means it has to be under the primary culture. You know, it, it has to be something uh, obscure compared to what is mainstream, but like something can only get so popular before it's not subculture anymore. And streetwear is mainstream. Yeah, 100%. When, when like the idea of a line in front of a store means it's not sub, right? right. It is exactly. main. It's like you go, I'm not going to name brand S, but brand S has a line in front of it, yeah. and grandma's in line, her nephew's in line, yeah. somebody's buying a birthday present for fucking Hanukkah, whatever. Like, it <laughs> is not what subculture brand was in the late 80s, right? right? And that'll never exist again. <clears throat> so that's a mainstream... It's talked about on national yeah. news. You know, Masada... Yeah, my uh, mom knows... Like, of course. She what might that even, brand is. I heard she had <laughs> this, the, the box logo. <laughs> uh, she doesn't yet, but um, I'm thinking of getting her like a box logo, uh, like vacuum cleaner or something. Like, <laughs> you can get box logo on anything. By the way, no disrespect. Like, of course not. I, no. I, like, I grew up on that brand. My brother worked there for 15 years. Right. I, like, it is the epitome of success that you- Yeah, no, it's good for as them. A, as a brand builder. But you're right. It, it's like a definitional, <laughs> uh, uh, like fundamental change. Correct. And it's sort, of, it's sort of like the name is still there, but the what that name means, not the name of the brand, but the name of uh, streetwear. The, the term. Yeah, yeah the, the term is still there, but the definition has changed. And then, so like, like the irony of all this is like streetwear was meant for street. Right, so mm -hmm. that means the price, the pricing had to be accessible, right? So let's just talk about Stussy. Stussy number five, knocking off Chanel. This back then it was knocking off Chanel. That's how we used it. It was like we, he flipped the Chanel logo. Today it's appropriating. Anyway, it's always existed in streetwear where they were looking at luxury things, reinterpreting them, and then selling a T-shirt for twenty-eight bucks or thirty-eight bucks. Now it's the irony of all of this is like true luxury brands and luxury and street are opposing forces. Right, right. This is for the 1%. This was for a larger audience. Mm -hmm. Now they're together. Okay. Definition of streetwear, part of that definition was a price that people could afford. Right. So when you have a fucking thousand dollar sweatshirt, who really traditional streetwear customer, if they were 18 today, who could afford that? Right, you can't. It's a true luxury price point. Yeah, there's definitely something kind of ironic about a sweatshirt or, or something that's designed to be modeled off of youth culture, off street culture, that is completely inaccessible to the kind of people who originated that culture. You know, exactly. So I, I don't know. I just having grown up in the actual streetwear time, I think this idea. I think we need a new phrase at the very least. Like we yeah. got to call it something else. I mean, I've heard people say like street fashion or street style. I, okay, as I can live to street with that. Wear specifically. Um, I also wanted to go back. You you mentioned how uh, in the early days there was brands like Stussy that were uh, taking things from luxury and reappropriating them, and it seems like it's the complete opposite now, where there's a lot of luxury brands straight up taking things from popular streetwear brands and not just ideas or or specific designs but people too 
you know, yeah, designers, designers going, uh, pulled up for sure. Um, you know, again, like the street streetwear was about being kind of innovative and a little edgy. So, you know, Fresh Drive took every logo under the sun from Tide to Sunkissed Orange Juice and made T-shirts and hats out of it. And they were appropriating these very recognizable logos and then making them edgy. 30 years later, you have luxury taking talent, design mm-hmm. talent, marketing talent, ideation talent, and doing exactly what streetwear was doing 30, 30 years ago to luxury and established brands. They're now doing that at the luxury price point. Right. And again, it's not just people. There's also like the whole idea of doing a drop. You know, like that's something that came from Japanese streetwear brands. And now, like Burberry did like a t shirt drop. Yeah. I think they have, from a distribution side, luxury mm-hmm. is now using streetwear tactics or sneaker and streetwear kind of go hand in hand. Um, the drop is definitely one of them. But, you know, the drop of a $1,800 bag just doesn't feel right to me right and you know we're getting super macro if i pull out of this but there's not more rich people in the world as a matter of fact like the there is a disproportionate distribution of wealth at the richest level Mm -hmm. and and people think that because they you know because luxury is growing right now i believe that it's actually synthetic growth i think what you see is like people that really can't afford it are not true luxury customers are buying these things and they're reselling them they're wearing them for a little bit and reselling them and getting 80% of their money back or they're just flipping them for a profit immediately that's not that doesn't make them a true luxury customer but but luxury growth has actually happened right and i think it's because of that and i think once that person kind of like stops making money on the flip which we're seeing in a major way for sure uh or just gets bored with kind of chasing the new 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 all the time which is the drop syndrome and there's too many drops i think overall then i think you're going to see like the normalization of what has been going on in in luxury and street in the last couple years speaking of which i wanted to ask you about the change in who is the customer for luxury and streetwear, as these two have started to overlap with each other, how do you think it has changed the luxury customer and the streetwear customer? Do you think that luxury brands are going after a different person than they were before and and the same for streetwear brands? Well, well again, by definition, I don't think streetwear is streetwear, right? right. Like, if you are making a T-shirt for one hundred and eighty dollars, I don't think that fits in the street in the traditional streetwear uh, category. It's something today. Like I get why we say this is, you know, from the streetwear culture, but it's really not. Like the price is just out of reach for most people, and therefore it shouldn't be ter- coined streetwear. So again, I don't know what the new term should be, but I think we need a new one. Right. Do I think luxury customers are going after new customers? Sure, they're trying to grow their business. But and but they haven't gotten less expensive, right? So there are still a certain amount of people can buy it. I just described, I think there's a, a group of people that are not really luxury customers that are buying luxury items, but they're not going to be a long-term luxury. Like, they didn't become a millionaire, and then I can now afford these things on the regular. They're like, oh shit, I can buy this shit and sell it on the real real in a couple of weeks and get 80% back of what I paid for it. And I'll just keep doing that and basically 
leasing these things uh, at least for a short time, right? right. Uh, but then they get older, that they are 29, they get married, they have a kid, and they're not going to be doing that anymore, right? So I think that that is the generation sh- like shift we're in, and we're like more than halfway through it. Yeah, I think we're on the other side of the peak, and you're going to see that kind of mellow out. I've heard from uh, people in the sneaker world about people who will buy three pairs of sneakers, sell two so that they can afford the one. You know, especially with sneakers, because you can sell it immediately for more than you bought it for. Certain sneakers. Yeah, if it's a super limited. Yeah, super hype sneaker, uh, which we do not, you know, at Greats, we're just not interested in the hype business. Mm -hmm. Like, we do not want to be the hottest brand today, because generally what happens is it means you're gone tomorrow, especially in in the modern world with the speed of information, like trends cycle in and out so quickly um, you know, we're trying to build a long-term, sustainable, modern luxury brand. And I say mm-hmm. modern because we're a modern luxury brand because we make premium stuff in Italy, but we sell it at a value proposition. That's really modern. And we distribute it online, and that's really modern. And the price has been realigned. We're not selling it for $700. We're selling it for under 200 But it's still made in Italy, and it's still luxury. That's a, that's a modern luxury product to me. And that... You know, I think there's going to be more and more of that. We we certainly see it in other categories, but I think that's what modern luxury means to me. Um, does that mean that traditional luxury is going to go away? No. It just means it's more exclusive to a very much, a small group of people that can actually afford it. Right. And people flipping stuff to get the next drop, that's not a real luxury customer. That's a clever customer. They figured out how to get that thing they couldn't, but it's on loan, man. Like they yeah. don't fucking own it. It's like, and can you build a brand off that customer? No, no, I don't think so. No, because they're always looking for the next anyway. So right. they come in and out of trend. Like think about in the last four years, the things that seemed like holy shit, like this shoe from this rapper is selling at double the price in an hour after a drop. And now they're sitting at full retail. They can't sell them, right? Like, just think about that. That sums up what hype can do to brand value. I'm not saying you can't make money. I'm not even saying it's a bad strategy. I'm saying it's not sustainable. Not sustainable, yeah. Um, So speaking of streetwear being a term that kind of has lost a lot of its meaning, do you think that there are- no? I think it's lost all its meaning. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to be clear on that. So it's lost all, so a completely meaningless term. Do you think that there are brands that people call streetwear that would be more accurately termed luxury? Like I'm thinking like off-white. People call it streetwear, I think probably because Virgil Abloh designs it. But if it is being sold at a luxury price point using uh, materials from like <coughs> Italy, like premium leathers, uh, and worn on the runways, like... Does that not just make it a luxury brand? Yeah. So, good question. I think tradi- the traditional real meaning of streetwear, as as it was intended to be when the term was founded, Off-White does not fit in that definition. So, it's something else. It's born from streetwear. I mean, Virgil, I don't, I don't know how Virgil thinks about it, but if you're making a price point item that is out of reach for most people, by definition, that takes it out of the traditional term of streetwear. Um, I don't know if it makes it luxury. I feel like 
price is a big indicator of what is determined luxury, right? Like a luxury is things are that are generally unattainable by people uh, in terms of price. And I don't know Virgil's price. I don't know the pricing of Off-White, to be honest. But if it was $800 for a t-shirt, I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's definitely not streetwear. It's still a t-shirt, so is it really luxury? Because I don't know how traditional luxury even thinks about what categories they get to call luxury. But by price definition, yeah, I'd say yes. Right. And in my in my reporting and, and talking to people, uh, these definitions seem like they have a million different answers. And every person you talk to in fashion has their own version of what is luxury. Is luxury have to do with price? Uh, I was talking to Matthew Williams from Alix, and he was very adamant that they were a luxury brand, but that the price had nothing to do with it because he sells some things at what would be considered a luxury price and some things much cheaper. And he said the price is determined uh, by what he thinks that thing should be, not what he wants the brand to be defined as. Yeah. And I think I kind of agree with that, right? Like, um, I would just add that extra modern luxury. So Alix is he's saying like, look, this is not traditional luxury, right? I'm paraphrasing for what yes. you just told yeah, me. Yeah. Price shouldn't indicate whether it's luxury or not, but the item itself, some of them are high, some of them are low, but generally like the price isn't really what drives luxury. I'm not, you know, like I could argue that both ways. I can only talk about like with more confidence in what greats is. And I mm. say modern luxury because my definition of luxury today is more accessible. So not just for the 1%, but a much larger audience. And we, 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 we are able to accomplish that by still making this premium thing, right? This quality handcrafted item in Italy using all Italian materials and then pricing it at $179. The price itself is not luxury to to Matt's point, right? To Matty's point, like he's saying the price shouldn't determine luxury, but the quality right. of what I'm making is. Exactly. And therefore I'd consider it a, a luxury quality item at a modern price. And th this is a whole new thing. Mm -hmm. And Alix is another example of like, hey, what we're doing is new. I'm not sure how to describe it myself, but right. it's different than the traditional definition of luxury. Yeah, it, it, it clashes against a lot of what uh, people would classically think of as luxury or as streetwear. It doesn't really neatly fit into either of those two. And I think there is a growing number of brands, including greats, that kind of straddle that line and, and don't have clear definitions around them. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure there ever will be, frankly. Mm -hmm. Like, I talk about ourselves as a modern luxury brand, but that's not a term that people in the world, like, consider. It's just my definition. Um, I think, I also think luxury in today's world convenience is a level of luxury like the greatest the great the most valuable thing in the world is time right so like how do you save time in a shopping experience to give you more time for like life right well digitally native brands tend to give you a more convenient way to shop you don't have to spend a lot of time you know going to the mall and finding a parking spot and then going through the store and like it's a it gives you back some time and to me, that's an incredible luxury. It's not a luxury brand, right. but it's a luxury to have more time. And these are all things that are, I, I believe make up what, what I am calling modern luxury. Um, I'm not sure if Maddie feels that way, but that's, that is something how we talk about our brand internally. Right. Um, 
Are there any brands right now that you would unequivocally call streetwear? No, because streetwear doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) So even like something like Champion, which is not sold at an inaccessible price point, and it does kind of tap into certain subcultures of sports or hip hop and doesn't really market itself as a streetwear brand, but is embraced by certain streetwear influencers or, or people. Do you think that's closer to something that could be authentically called streetwear? Look, Champion started as an athletic brand, right? right? And obviously we get these connections into the streetwear. And Champion was around for a long time yeah. before streetwear. So streetwear took a Champion sweatshirt and put a logo on it. Right. So they've been around through this growth phase of and morphing of what streetwear is. I understand what you're asking in the question. Sure. There's sure it's closer to streetwear than some other guy that starts another sweatshirt brand today. But it's an athletic brand that has other elements. Like Champion in Japan is different than Todd Schneider Champion is different than the Champion that sold at Target and Walmart and that's different than what Maurizio Donati is doing with old Champion sweatshirts and, you know, Atelier and Repair and that's what you get when you have a hundred plus year old brand, which is what Champion is. Um, it gets appropriated by lots of different places, just like Gucci in the eighties became a hip hop brand, and it was on Canal Street, and then it was nowhere. Nobody wanted it. Gucci was dead. Now Gucci, you know, like right. these brands go through these evolutions and iterations and they're they're adopted by different parts of society at different times but it doesn't make it streetwear there's streetwear components to every luxury brand in the world right now mm-hmm. you named it the drop that's a streetwear thing yeah the designers how they're releasing limited edition shit and collaborating mm-hmm. with you know traditional streetwear brands those are all streetwear tactics. It doesn't make it streetwear. Right. It doesn't make Louis Vuitton a streetwear brand. I mean, that's, it's absurd. So would it be accurate to say, in your opinion, that streetwear has been murdered and people are cannibalizing its corpse? Wow, that's so dark. <laughs> would that be uh, too morbid? or? <laughs> no, I, I never thought of it that way, but I think you might be right. Like using every parts of the buffalo, you know? Like yeah, which I think is good because that's, that's responsible. <laughs> like if you're going to kill it, you got to eat the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. And then it makes it okay. Well, and so that's something I've been thinking about too is even if streetwear isn't real or it doesn't exist anymore or, or the term has completely lost all its meaning, there are certain things, you know, like you were saying, that are undeniably had their origin in what was once streetwear that are now a a commonly seen part of fashion as a whole yeah and i i think i should probably say like i think the intent of these brands is to actually is the same as it was in 1987 uh when a brand wanted to be part of the streetwear culture i think the intent is the same i think the ability to do it is is impossible and that's not because their intent is off or their price strategy is off or their design skill is off all of those could be one like 100 percent the same it's that technology has not technology no longer allows for subculture 
organic growth. Right. And and that was that's a essential part of streetwear DNA. Just like when the Model T came out, like horse the value of horses as a transportation vehicle just became less, if right. not zero. And it doesn't make it it's like the horse is still a horse. It's just not the, the use case is totally different yeah, and the value the of it's value. different and the mm-hmm. all of it's different. And that's streetwear. I wanted to ask in the early days of any sort of overlap between luxury and what some call streetwear. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna say what streetwear. is commonly yeah. considered streetwear. <laughs> yes. Wrongfully. Do you think that there are any common threads between the two that led to the overlap? I'm thinking exclusivity is is the one thing that seems common in both streetwear and luxury that feels like it might have brought them together. I, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And yes, I think that's an accurate um, view. I think luxury had scarcity because they were like, hey, we're going to make this $30,000 mink-lined leather coat. How many people in the world do we think will buy it? Seven. Cool, make seven. So right. there's your scarcity. And it was defined by price. The scarcity was driven by price. Streetwear started to, not in the beginning, but in the somewhere along the line, probably like in five or six or ten, whatever years in, they were like, "Hey, if we make a limited amount, we think we can drive demand because it's so hot and 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 like we want to create like hysteria. So let's only make ten. So one was like a tactic, and the other was just like we don't think there's enough people that can afford it right out of necessity yes and then over time that became a tactic and the tactic is it it works right like if you have a brand that makes a limited amount of things you can create hype right and hysteria look we 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 have done that and still do we still make limited things greats did a collaboration with billions the tv show Mm -hmm. and it sold out in 15 minutes and then was on eBay for $13,000 an hour later. So like, I didn't think it was going to be, I didn't think it was going to sell through that quickly. I didn't think it was going to get priced at that. Mm. We didn't want to make too many. So we thought about like, let's make sure we don't make too many so we don't get stuck with them. Um, but we clearly could have made a few more. Yeah. Right? That was a pretty fast sell through. Mm. All right, Ryan, I don't want to keep you too long. I think that was all the questions I had, but I have one more for you. What shoes are you wearing right now? Well, they're definitely greats. You know that. Of course. Uh, I'm wearing the Greats Royal, which is mm. our made in That's Italy the classic, right? lace up uh, in a color that is not yet out. Ooh. <laughs> Special preview. Spring 18. And I'm glad. I'm sorry. Spring 19. Mm. Sorry. Uh, and there's no cameras in here. So yeah. I, my press team will have to describe me. them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, can I see them? Sure. They're beautiful, everybody. I know you can't see them, but you can say beautiful. like they're like a corally. They're like a, sa- a light salmon. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Thank you. Um, all right, Ryan. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That's all for the first ever episode of Glossy Trend Watch. A special thanks to Gianna Capadona, the producer of this podcast. We'll be back next Friday with episode two, which features industry veteran Will Whitney discussing his experience as one of the founders of legendary streetwear brand Nom de Guerre and the evolution of the sneaker industry. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe and review the Glossy Podcast and follow us on social media at Glossy Co. to keep up with the latest news in fashion and beauty. We'll talk to you next week.